0: This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be.
1: Oh, mama! What a play! Hi, everyone, and welcome into another edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast, Women's Wednesday. I'm your host, Meg McDonald. And holy cow, do we have a guest on the podcast today. As you know, Stacey Dales is one of the most iconic basketball players in Sooner history. And get a load of her credentials. She made an Olympic appearance for Canada in 2000. She was a first-team All-American in 2001 and 2002. She was named the 2001 and 2002 Big 12 Player of the Year and is the Big 12 All-Time Career Assist Leader. In 2002, she was the all-sports academic All-American of the year. She was the first OU player to record 1,700 points, 600 boards, and 700 assists. During her senior year, she led the Sooners to the NCAA championship game against UConn. Now, Dales also played in the WNBA. She was drafted third overall in 2002 by the Washington Mystics. She was the highest pick ever for a Canadian she went on to play for both the mystics and then the chicago sky from 02 to 08 stacy Dales served as a men's and women's college basketball analyst as well as a sideline reporter for college football and the nba on espn get this dales was the first female at espn to work as an in-studio men's basketball analyst in august of 2009 the nfl network announced that it hired dales to serve as host and national reporter correspondent for nfl media programming dales has also served as a sideline reporter for tnt covering primetime nba games as well as for cbs covering primetime nfl games in 2018 and 2019 stacy dales was hired as a brand ambassador And spokesperson for phillips 66 in connection with its long-running partnership with the big 12 basketball tournament and then in 2018 fox sports announced that it hired dales to serve as a color analyst for women's college basketball coverage for the 18-19 season stacy dales is someone that i look up to personally from being a d1 athlete to working in sports broadcasting and being part of the media, calling games, working in the studio. She really does it all and she does such a tremendous job. So I cannot wait for all the listeners out there to hear this interview. Now, what do we talk about we talk all things oklahoma and sherry cole and that postseason run her senior year when the sooners played for a national championship we talk about her career as a sports broadcaster and what it really took to get to this point in her career before we get to all that i want to give a big shout out to the ou women's basketball sID and marcelli she really helps connect stacy and i together and help set this interview up so Thank you, and You're the best. And I also want to thank Matt Archibald, who is the director of production at OU. Arch, we call him at Sooner Vision, has been instrumental in helping with all the Zoom calls for interviews and super supportive this summer with the podcast. So, Arch, you're the man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, Stacey Dales. right after this. The Sooner Sports Podcast is brought to you in part by AT&T, America's Best Network. Academy Sports and Outdoors is the preferred sporting goods retailer, of oklahoma athletics metroplex electric we can be your electrician oklahoma blood institute blood can't wait go to an oklahoma blood institute donor center today to save a life oklahoma athletics are you interested in taking your passion for ou athletics to a new level experience the best game day experiences while supporting scholarships for nearly 600 student athletes by joining the sooner club today Customizable options are available by calling 405-325-8000. All right, without further ado, here is Stacy Dales. So, so, so excited to welcome in Stacy Dales onto the Sooner Sports Podcast this week, one of the most decorated players in OU and Big 12 history. She led the Sooners to three conference titles and its first NCAA Women's Final Four appearance in 2002. Stacey, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule as the NFL season is gearing up. I know players are reporting to training camp this week, so I actually can't believe you're doing this. So thank you.
2: <laughs> well, it's my pleasure, Meg. You and I have been trying to connect here um, through this weird pandemic. It's a pleasure to be with you. Um, I always want to you know, be in touch and connected to my Sooners. And you're, I mean, I'm going to call you a Sooner now. You've been with our school for five years, and we're grateful to have you. You do a great job.
1: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. So we will get into so much. I have so many questions to ask you today from your career at OU to your career with the NFL Network to ESPN. There's so many stops you've had in your life. So starting from the beginning, being from Canada, what originally drew you to Oklahoma?
2: By the way, I think that makes me old now. (laughs) The journey. (laughs) The journey, the journey has been a great one, uh, Meg. The the reason I chose Oklahoma back in nineteen ninety, basically ninety seven is when I started. It was my freshman year. So when Sherry Cole recruited me on a five and twenty two record, it wasn't a popular decision to go to go to a school not only with sort of a new head coach, who had come from the high school ranks, with all due respect, and had that five and twenty two record. Um, But to go all the way from Canada to Oklahoma seemed bizarre for a lot of people. I saw in Coach Cole a vision and an idea that this would be a transcendent program. I mean, if you think about the women's basketball program, it was virtually abolished in the early 90s. And for us to overcome that, and Marita Hines, just so important, who has been instrumental in women's sports at Oklahoma, to virtually hire Sherry. And uh, then we just took off and here we go. And so it was the vision of Coach Cole. It was the Big 12 Conference. I saw Cheryl Swoops win a you know, national championship with Texas Tech. And I thought we could do that in the Big 12. And not to mention the fact we have a pretty darn good academic uh, school and foundation as well. So the, the culmination of everything for me was, was a Sooner for Life.
1: You know, I do a lot of sideline for the Sooners, and especially for women's basketball. And listening to Sherry Cole talk pregame, I'm just in awe. Like, I'm so inspired. I hang on everything she says. She's so, so amazing. What would you say is the biggest thing that you've learned, whether it was on the court or off the court, that you still use today from head coach Sherry Cole?
2: Uh, Well, it's the idea of goals and setting goals and establishing goals and having a strong directive and a very um, sort of clairvoyant, transparent vision of what that is and make sure you communicate that in every aspect of your life and establishing it through tangible acts. Um, You know we just every day, for instance, Meg, we had a practice plan. And with that practice plan, you had an offensive thought for the day, a defensive thought for the day, and then a quote for the day. And those would all be in our locker room when we entered the locker room. They'd be in our lockers. And essentially, you had to memorize those things. It could be as simple as uh, defensively um, jump to the ball. Uh, you know, So if you're a weak side defender, you got to jump to the ball where the ball moves, you, you go with the ball. Not just your, your player that you're checking. Um, and that would be tracked during practice. Offensively, it could be as uh, something as simple as fake a pass to make a pass. So you go pump, pass, pump, pass. So fake a pass to make a pass. Those would be tracked during practice. And then, you know, the quotes are endless for Coach Cole. I mean, she is a, she is a, a literary genius, so to speak. So um, as a former English teacher, uh, it, so, you know, you take all those things with you and they, they go in every realm for me. So my journey through ESPN, all the networks that I've been grateful and fortunate enough to work for. And certainly, you know, as I, I turned 40 last year and uh, man, it's, it's a couple decades later, but you still carry those same foundation pieces
1: what do you think of this OU coaching staff of course Sherry Cole who has laid down the foundation but you have Courtney Paris who will be in her first season back in Norman Jackie Styles, and Amanda Thompson
2: what do you think of this staff they're loaded Loaded doesn't even begin to to describe it Meg Uh, we have two Hall of Famers and I was there when Jackie and coach received their inductions a few years ago Courtney Paris is is one of the greatest players ever in the history of our program and the WNBA as a professional. Uh, I, I wish, you know, it's so funny. You, you go through your time and your tenure at a school and you miss certain players. I would have loved, and I've told Courtney this, the chance just to play with her. Can you imagine? I mean, we had a great team and she was a part of great teams. But, you know, there's players like her that you just dream that you could have you know, sort of played with, um, obviously Colton Cole and, and Jan Ross kind of, um, you know, Colton brings that stability. And then Jan is, Jan's everywhere. She touches everything, right? So this is a power punch of a, a coaching staff. And I think that uh, a lot of promise for the, for the young gals moving forward.
1: Going back a little bit, you hold the OU career record for assists. You rank third in school history in double figure scoring games, fourth in games played, fifth in steals, seventh in Points scored you also set the safe, the school single season assist record with 248 in 2000 and 2001 season. how did your game improve during your time in Norman
2: I don't know how all those records still stand I don't know if <laughs> <laughs> man I, that's that's something else thank you for sharing that with me and, and reminding me of what we built and when you say those things um, it sounds very individualistic Meg but really. It took uh, a village for us. I mean, we didn't have a, an All-American on our roster. So when I hear all those numbers, I'm very proud of them. And I worked my tail off. But it took a collective group of women, young women, to go from, think about, think about it. Our first year, my rookie year, my rookie year, my freshman year, I've got football in my brain. Um, I tore my ACL back in 97. We went 8 and 19 that year. Five years later, fast forward my senior year, we go 32 and four and get to a national championship game. So in a five year span, we literally did a revolving door, a super women effort and jumped in, changed our uniform and became one of the best teams back to back big 12 champions. And I always say, we, 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 because it took we, um, you know, to get to that point. And I like to say every summer as far as improving, and I tell young people this, go home when you have that time and you've had it in the pandemic, right? Go home and pick one thing that you're just not settled with and not happy with and really hone it. And it could be as simple as a left hand. I had a coach once once tell me you can't be half a player. And so you know that could be one element that I I worked on and I, I would do those things each summer. And I think that helped me in the greater good for the team.
1: I don't know if you can single out a specific aspect that helped you and the Sooners completely turn around a program but if you could what did it take to be able to solidify Oklahoma in a postseason run and competing for a national championship
2: um The culture has to be so tight and united. I don't care what level it is that you're at, whether it's an NFL team, whether it's an NBA team, a WNBA team, a collegiate team, if your culture isn't right and you don't have just an unbelievable unification, um, you're not going to get to that pinnacle. And it takes a room of believers and people understanding their roles, and we, as the years went on with our team and so many amazing players that I played with, I told you we didn 't have an all American on our roster. Um, nobody was recruited as a sort of this all American superstar it, it, it those developed because of what we all collectively believed in and with that comes toughness and grit and you grind through the tough times. And then there's the overriding notion, Meg, that, and I think this is important when people don't believe in you on the outside, it is all the more reasonable then to prove them wrong. And we went through my five years with just this undeniable chip. I don't care if you call it a cliche, but a chip on our shoulder and, uh, You know, if if you thought we were the worst team in America, we we thought we were the best team in America. And I think the way we played proved that we were really close my senior year.
1: Well, having such a successful career at Oklahoma as an individual, but also as a team, I mean, you mentioned your senior year, making a postseason run. What was your favorite memory as a Sooner, if you can name one?
2: That's a really tough question. I would tell you the first time, well, I'll, I'll give you the quick story. Um, a couple years in and we were starting to pick up some steam. I told you my, my, my freshman year at Tormier sale, missed that year red shirted next year. I come back, we're getting better. And then really the next year, um, we started to really get the steam rolling, but I'll never forget walking into Lloyd Noble center and for practice, And uh, Coach Cole looked at us with this stern glare. I'm sure you've seen it. And she set everybody on the line for a 35 second. And I'm like, wait a minute. We never run a sprint. When you run a sprint, it means you've probably done something wrong or you haven't reached a goal in practice. Um, practice was starting out that way. And so we were like, oh, here we go. So we get on the line. We run the sprint. We come back down. And she goes, everybody get over here. You guys just cracked the top 25 for the first time in our program's (laughs) history. And we erupted. Think about just a group of 15 gals and some coaches. We erupted in the Lloyd Noble Center. And I thought to myself, yep, we've arrived. We knew we'd arrived, but we've arrived and we're just going to keep building. And we just went up and up and up in the polls.
1: Okay, switching gears a little bit, going into your sports broadcasting career, did you always want to be a sports broadcaster, or did that kind of come through your time in Norman, around sports, around TV, what, mm-hmm. I guess, when did you decide that that was the career for you?
2: Well, I'd always really loved our, you know, all of my communication, and especially those in the mass sort of journalism arena, I'd always loved presenting and, and speaking, And then by nature of basketball and by the virtue of basketball, I I spoke a lot to the media. So it it sort of was a natural transition when I was drafted to the Washington Mystics. My first year in the WNBA, Uh, ESPN called and said they were auditioning for a studio analyst role. And of course, I went in and auditioned um, as many other uh, WNBA personnel did, players and coaches. And uh, I came back for a second audition and they liked it. So... I ended up staying with ESPN, gratefully, for almost eight years, seven and a half years or so, and really just so humbled by that to start my career with ESPN, just an unbelievably fantastic organization. And then I took some time off, took a little break. I needed to, uh, having been a professional athlete and an on-air personality for that period of time, which was, again, about seven years, seven and a half. And the NFL Network called when they found I was, uh, you know, available. And I've now, I'm entering my 12th season in the NFL. So I couldn't be more grateful. And uh, I love what I do. Um, And then, you know, to get to also give back and, you know, help young, prospering journalists in ways that I can, if they reach out to me, uh, I take a lot of uh, appreciation in that. So here we are. Most
1: people start out In broadcasting, whether it's news, weather, sports, in a really small market, they're Mm -hmm. able to make those mistakes on air and nothing really happens. You can kind of laugh it off later. At at the time, it feels like the biggest deal. But -hmm. you start at ESPN. (laughs) For their nerves? I mean, I'm sure you were excited, but there had to be nerves going in, right?
2: Well, sure, adrenaline, I think, is a good word. And you know what that feels like before we go on, right? It's this, this sort of thing that goes through your blood. Um, for me, it was a natural, like I said, transition because I was talking about basketball. It was really learning the idiosyncrasies of being succinct and being very concise and understanding that, you know, the diction or the delivery and how, where you inflect, when you inflect. And how that pertains to your message, so you hone that over the, for me the past couple of decades, and I think it's really cool. I was able to you know evolve into reporting roles, hosting roles, and uh, ag- again, kind of looking back just a lot of gratitude. Do you
1: have a favorite aspect of broadcasting, whether it's NFL network reporting in field or it's mm-hmm. NFL network in the studio or it's calling a basketball game? with the atmosphere and the fans, do you have a favorite part?
2: Oh, that's a tough one, Meg, because when you call a game, which I've started with Fox Sports now, uh, the last couple years, it's exhilarating to call live action um, while it's happening in, in the event of a great play or, or really anything, the, the ebbs and flows of a game, it's, it's exciting. I love standing on an NFL field on Sundays. I I just it is something something else. I never take it for granted. I love covering the players and the teams, and in, in, you know, twelve seasons later, the relationship building that goes with it, uh, that that is a thrill for me. And but sun football Sundays are there's nothing like them really.
1: I've had my fair share of flops on air. Is there <laughs> one that you remember? specific specifically that happened to you that you were like oh my gosh I don't know if I can get
2: past this one I don't know um the only something that happened back when I covered college football at ESPN I was I was sort of perusing my notes and all of a sudden I got body checked by a quarterback and (gasps) I made I made sports centers top 10 worst um you know they have top 10 best and worst I just got pile drive by this quarterback and uh It was pretty funny to watch it back. Uh, Lesson to journalists on the sideline, be aware at all times of your surroundings and where the action is coming from. Head on a swivel, head on a swivel. (laughs) That's right.
1: Okay, was there ever a moment in your career that was somewhat discouraging where you felt like you were doing a great job, honest reporting, getting great feedback, whether it was from producers, uh, directors, higher ups, but you still weren't getting the assignments that you wanted, or you weren't moving up as fast as you wanted. I mean, you started pretty high, but was there ever a moment in your career where you were a little discouraged, and how'd you overcome that?
2: Well, I think for us women, um, there's always uh, room for discouragement in, in that sense, because, you know, I, especially in light of so much of what's going on now, um, we overprepare. We put a lot into it because we're scrutinized at such a magnified level. So those mistakes that you talk about seem more glaring. So I've always overprepared. And I like to say if there was one sheet required, wink, wink, I secretly have three sheets in my back pocket. Um, So I think as you go along, you know, just 20 years for me in this business, 20 years is uh, the grind of it as a woman, um, earning that trust, earning that level of, okay, we trust her now. Um, So I think for me, overall, that that would be, okay, it's our time. Like, okay, here's this moment now. This is an opportunity. And I just encourage young women to really steal the opportunities that come along and stay committed, stay committed, because the hard work and the over-preparation backs up the quality that we put forward, which is awesome.
1: How do you build those relationships within some of these organizations to Mm -hmm. eventually use as sources? But you
2: mentioned building that trust. How do you get there? Mm -hmm. Well, you don't start with an agenda. Okay. So what I mean by that is you walk in with humility and kindness. Some people have that and some people don't. Uh, I walk in with uh, a great sense of humility and appreciation for the opportunity. Um, I never take for granted what I get to do. And I think that those, those traits resonate with people. I don't have an agenda. I'm not looking to um, sell a salacious story. I'm looking to tell positive stories and all the teams and players that uh, I've worked with know that about me. And so I think that for me is key, not having an agenda, having a directive, which is going in and getting a story that's positive or telling the story of somebody else in a profound way. And I think over time you build relationships if you have the right attitude and have the right sort of mantra internally.
1: How have you grown as a broadcaster in the time that you've been live at the NFL Network? I mean, you're always trying to get better. But mm-hmm. if you could pinpoint something that you've really worked on or you've grown throughout the years, what would it be?
2: Ooh, um, I would just tell you um, – I love live television and I love the idea of um, taking a story and turning it around. Some days I'll go into a Sunday and have 10 to 12 reports delivering, uh, delivered on NFL game day morning um, or you know, a show prior to, maybe it's a fantasy show and you'll get on a field and something will change or you've just spoken to a player or a coach And now the ball is rolling. And so changing sometimes in flight, uh, the direction of where I'm going with something is exciting. And I I love those opportunities. And I try to take advantage of them because the unique perspective that I have, anywhere I am, whether I'm covering a basketball game as a color analyst or standing on the sideline as a reporter delivering uh, something journalistically that might be happening at a Packers-Bears game, for instance, I am your eyes and ears if you're not there. So I think I can bring a different perspective to the fan that gives them an appreciation for something that may be happening or changing or that's really pertinent to that moment. And I love those opportunities. This
1: industry can be so subjective. What is the worst advice that you've ever
2: received? Everyone has opinions, right? What's the worst advice that you've received? I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I can answer that because I don't see worst advice. I see it as else, somebody else's perspective. So what I try to do instead of seeing worst advice, I try to understand that somebody else has a different perspective than me and therefore sees it differently than me and prefers something different. And that's okay. And I keep my head down and st- stick with, um, I-, I always appreciate feedback. I think feedback is, is probably a better arena for me. Um, and even if you don't agree with feedback from somebody, you think about it because a seed has been planted. So then improvement can happen. Any feedback, whether you like it or not, can help you in some way. And I, I always, I-, I keep that in mind. So flipping it, what
1: advice would you give young broadcasters just starting out?
2: Well, things that I've learned, I, I think the, this is going to sound really basic, but, um, and who knows, I may come up with a course sometime. <clears throat> Sometimes when we go on air and we feel that scrutiny and the idea of wanting to be perfect, perfection as much as we strive for it, it isn't always possible. So what I always tell to people when they're struggling or when those nerves come up, whatever you didn't say or forgot to say, nobody else on the outside knew it. So sometimes I'll do a report, oh, I forgot this nugget, or I forgot this quote, or I didn't get the whole quote, and then I remember that the viewer didn't know I was going there anyways. So. It never looks as bad as you perceive it to look, if it doesn't feel right, to the viewer. So I always tell young people, whatever you forgot to say, don't worry, because nobody else knew it. And be really intelligent with your voice. We can't use punctuation when we speak, but we, can, um, we can't say, that's all I have to tell you, Meg, period. But we can <laughs> use punctuation in our inflection, our body language, and our behavior, and the pace of our voice. And so those are a couple areas that I I always give young journalists advice with.
1: Is that something that you developed over the course of your career?
2: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. When I was at ESPN, I had a, we had a a couple of fantastic uh, talent coaches, and uh, I'll never forget, um, you know, being 24 years old and sitting watching myself with this Uh, you know, these, these coaches and realizing how important a pause is and just simple little things like that. And again, feedback uh, always plants a little bit of a seed and you'll never forget some of the good feedback, especially. And so I've really been very considerate of that over my 20 year career.
1: What would you say, or which fan base is the most vocal in your mentions?
2: Well, I, I think, you know, I've covered every team in the league. I, I covered quite a bit of the NFC North, which is Chicago, Detroit, Minnesota, Green Bay, quite a bit of the Colts. Um, you know, I live in the Chicago area. So there are quite a few Bears fans who are pretty vocal with me. But uh, you know what? No matter where I go on a, on a, at a stadium on a Sunday um, or a Thursday, uh, depending upon the game, the fans are... Uh, the best I mean the NFL boasts some of the best fans I've ever seen they are passionate about their teams um, and so it's fun it's uh, like that's what part of it too for me when I tell you I love standing on a field on Sunday uh, the energy that comes from the fan base is really palpable
1: how does NFL coverage change this season for you
2: well, it's interesting you asked that, because with the pandemic, um, a lot of the reporting, as you see, I'm in here in my home office that I've sort of created into a studio. You don't see the lights, but uh, it, it has been a work in progress. Um, but the, the overarching hope and belief right now, as of right now, is the process of getting into a facility is very difficult. It's like a five-day process. Um, generally speaking the idea for us on as this regular season starts is we'll be up in the stands we won't be on the field so um, we will be required to I believe be in the second sort of row which is a tier above a a number of seats in the first row and uh, we'll be reporting from there we won't have the same access to the players and the coaches but we're still going to bring our fans everything that we can to keep them updated.
1: Okay, just a few more questions. I know you are super busy, but who are some of your favorite NFL players to interview?
2: Oh, my goodness. I have so many. I have so many. Uh, Zadarius Smith in Green Bay is just a sensation. Akeem Hicks here in Chicago, both defensive linemen, is uh, one of my dream players. Kyle Rudolph with the Minnesota Vikings tight end is, uh, and I'm just rattling off the top of my head, uh, is a dream. Um, Devontae Adams, T. Y. Hilton, two receivers who I just think are not only great players but great men. Um, you know, so many of the linemen. I love offensive linemen. They know the offense as well as the quarterback. I love talking to the linemen. Um, but yeah, there's 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 a bunch, Meg. I mean, this league is full of so many good people and good men. Um, sometimes we go through life and we hear of you know, maybe the not so good stories when they present themselves. But there are so many good stories in this league. And so I'm really proud to be able to be a part of it, really.
1: It's pretty known that you come from a sports family. You're an All-American basketball player. Your brother played football, but you're from Canada. You have two hockey jerseys hanging behind you, (laughs) Canada and USA. Was there ever a dream that you wanted to cover hockey at all?
2: Um, I grew up in hockey rinks. Um, from the time I was, you know, uh, just ye high or yay high, my brother was gr- a great hockey player. And so I would, you know, jump in the car and go along for the ride. Um, that never really manifested, though, just because coming down to the States, it, it was basketball and football. And you know, at Oklahoma, it's a football, uh, re- you know, religious landscape football-wise. And then, of course, hoops was my, my number one love. So it, it never kind of matriculated into that. I've been fortunate to be a part of a lot of cool sports along the way. Um, but I kind of sit back and watch hockey from a, a fan's perspective.
1: Okay, last question for you. If you could say one thing to Sherry Cole right now, what would you
2: say? I would say, Coach, you're the best. And I tell okay. her that um, when I see her. Um, you know, I, I have nothing but gratitude and appreciation for, for Sherry Cole. Uh, she was my mentor, uh, along with my parents, my mentor, my teacher. She, her, her energy has always been infectious. She's been doing this thing for a long time. And that energy, that level of energy has never dissipated. Um, she's a winner. I would say you're a winner, Coach. Um, I'm proud to uh, be one of your disciples, I guess I could say. And I'm always behind her. I root for her at every turn um, and I love her. So I would probably also say, I love you coach.
1: All right. That's all I have for you. Thank you so much, Stacy. Cannot thank you enough for your time today. This was fun. <laughs> Anytime Meg, keep up the great work and Boomer Sooner. The Sooner Sports Podcast is brought to you in part by Chick-fil-A. Even in these uncertain times, your Oklahoma Chick-fil-A restaurants are here to serve you. Dining rooms are closed. But where possible, you can still order from the drive through the Chick-fil-A app, or from DoorDash. At Mercy, your life is our life's work. And Midway Deli, we are open for takeout and delivery on DoorDash. Full menu can be found at midwaydeli.com or call us at 405-321-7004. Make sure to mention curbside if you are in a more high-risk category. Wow, I really can't believe Stacey Dales was able to hop on a Zoom call and give us so much time of her day as she is so busy covering the NFL right now. She was so gracious and kind to me as we were trying to schedule out some time for an interview. She was the absolute coolest. All right, everyone, this might be my last Winter Sports podcast, Women's Wednesday, in hopes that we have a college football season And if we do, my guy and the OG of the podcast, Chris Plank, will have so much content for you leading up to the season opener versus Missouri State, which, by the way, has been moved up a week to August 29th. So keep it here on the Sooner Sports Podcast, and Plank will give you all of the insight just about every single day. So, Sooner Nation, thank you so much for listening since Jess and I relaunched this podcast in the spring. It has been such a challenge, but so rewarding to bring you some insight into the people that work so hard surrounding all things Oklahoma. Now, I'll still be around Norman covering your favorite teams, so feel free to say hi anytime you see me. I absolutely love catching up with you guys. Till next time, Sooner Nation, Boomer Sooner.
2: Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go.